So, <laughs> yesterday we were going to watch a Christmas movie, and we, we bought Home Alone. We're like, oh, watch Home Alone. This will be great. Watch it with our children. And then we started watching it, and we're like, wow, this is not for children. Holy cow. <laughs> Ella was like, what's a phlegmwad? And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> These are all things we weren't expecting to deal with today. <laughs> well, welcome to 23. Merry Christmas, everyone. We've been talking about what happens when God surprises us, because Christmas is all about surprises. Whether it's, uh, you know, you family to show up, you get to reconnect with family, or your presents that you open. Or, uh, but the story of Christmas and the story of Christ is all about surprises. God is all about the surprise. God comes maybe not when you want him to come, but he always comes at the right time. So, uh, one cool surprise that I wanted to share with you today is this Christmas Eve, so next Monday already, holy cow, we got a lot of work to do, is uh, we are taking our Christmas Eve offering, and so every year since we've started, that's three years, three Christmas Eves we've done, we've taken an offering for something outside of our church, um, and, and so this year, you know, I was going to Myanmar, and I was excited about that, and on Thanksgiving, we had a neighbor over and a friend, um, and, the, he, and he has a nonprofit in Myanmar, and so we, we got talking, and we're like, man, we should take our offering for this, this, this thing in Myanmar, because we're going to be connected to Myanmar now for the next year for sure. Uh, because we're going to go back next year, and so if you want to come, let me know, and then we will work on not being jet-lagged together. That'll be fun, um, but we were sitting at Thanksgiving and having this conversation, and then it was just like, just felt like it was a great opportunity to sh- to talk about what what's happening in Myanmar, so I'm going to invite my friend, my neighbor Scott up, and he's going to share a little bit about his nonprofit and what we're doing on Christmas Eve, and so give him a round of applause. Make him feel welcome. Another good-looking bald guy. Yeah. <laughs> two for two. How are you doing? Good. So uh, my name, my neighbor's Scott. Uh, it's funny because he, we, we uh, moved in. You guys moved in about the same time, a couple of houses down. And we're from North Dakota, and they're from Hawaii. So in the, sum, in the winter, we're like, oh, this is awesome. It's hot, tropical, and they're like bundled up, freezing. Freezing. <laughs> freezing. Very different. So uh, Scott's nonprofit is called Community Care of South East Asia, and the first, I'll show you a picture of, of what they do. There's one of the kids, and so it's, it was a cool connection. We don't really believe in uh, coincidence, coincidences that he happened to have a, have a nonprofit in Myanmar, and I'm going to Myanmar, and there's this connection now. So I wanted him to come and share a little bit of what they do, because they do some incredible work in the villages there. So um, Scott, thanks for being here, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, talk a little bit about what uh, your nonprofit does and and, uh, why it's so important to the area. Maybe. Does that sound all right? Um, Yeah, so what we do is we provide nutrition support for young children, pregnant women, lactating women, um, and for people that are displaced by war, kids whose parents have passed away and they live in orphanages and Uh, IDP camps and basically have nothing but the clothes on their backs so for a year or two years or five years and they're moved around by the government so we provide direct support any way we can for them. So do you want me to pass this around? Do you guys want to look at these? This is an example of what we, one of the things we provide for nutrition for children. So So talk about how it works and what what, what it's like. There'll be pictures of it but so often they can only eat basically a bowl of uh, rice a day. So what we do is one of these per day for two months provides a year of nutrition for a child so, or a lactating mother. So these are micronutrients for brain development for children, 
infants, um, pregnant women, um, to provide them the nutrients that their brain needs to develop. So, there'll Should be pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll, where, who wants to start? <laughs> so, so, it's really simple because you just, one packet a day, the leader of an orphanage or camp or mother puts it into a bowl of rice like this young lady here and it basically has no taste and you mix it up and eat it with the rice and like I said for if you eat it for two months it provides a year of nutrition for a child that gets no nutrition or very little so all oh, the kids are amazing there oh my gosh if you want to hear kids have fun and laugh and sing like like they would never hear go there It'd be awesome do you have a question yeah yeah um, well, we, we pay $12 for one, a supply for one child. So it's $12 for a year of nutrition for one child or lactating mother, pregnant mother. So it's $12. $12. And that's for two months. Two months, which is for the whole year. Yeah. yeah. So why, why, in any other questions? That's a good question. We can ask questions at church. We're good. Yeah. Well, so here we had a chance to go back a few years after supporting an orphanage, and um, you can see the difference, you know, a year later with the kids because they're they have no energy. They're una they can't if they are able to go to school. It's hard to focus if you're not getting any nutrition. And so we had a chance to go back a couple of years later and see some of the kids after two years, and they're really thriving and. Um, doing a lot better. So there's an example. You just cut open the packet. That's, you know, packet. There's 100 children in that orphanage. So go through a line with their bowls, and we, they cut it open and pour it in and mix it up. And Sweet. Did you have a question? So what do you mean two months for the whole year? Sorry? What do you mean by two months? If they ingest those, the micronutrients for two months straight, it basically provides a year of nutrition. Those, just the micronutrients that their brain needs to develop. So it's a, a doctor in Canada invented it. Basically, is a simple, direct way to, to provide their brain support. And they only take it for two months or they take it? Correct. They take it for two months straight. But supplies for the whole year. Yeah, that's good. So why, why in the country is it such a need? I, know, I talked a little bit about last week. You know more of the history. You've been invested there longer. But why is it such a huge issue? Uh, well, the government... And if you have to swear, it's okay. We'll bleep it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on the government there. No. It's just a brutal military government for two generations, and recently they had elections and things are changing, so there's, there's a new hope for the young people, right? They, there was no newspapers, no internet. You weren't allowed to say anything, um, and now they're opening up a bit, and, but there's so much need from the last 40 years of brutality. Um, and the military government now just there's fighting over resources of course like everywhere and people are displaced living in camps shuffled around um, and we're just providing direct support for these kids that have nothing essentially yeah I like the picture of the motorcycle that's loaded up in the boat you know like whatever you can do to get to the these villages yeah, yeah. we're going to play some places we're maybe not supposed to go but we ignore the military and we partner with local people. I was hoping it would cycle through to the, I have a, a 
good friend, and we've worked together for five years now, and we're bald brothers like, <laughs> like Aaron, bald local guy. He had to, he had to flee the country in, in the 90s when the government cracked down, so he actually left Myanmar, lived in a camp in Indonesia for two years, went to Canada for a year, ended up in France for a few years, and was finally able to go back to Myanmar um, five years ago, six years ago. So there, he's helping his community. And yeah, it's like kind of like our, my vibe when we were there was, you know, they're out of these villages that are really poor, and I'm like thinking they're gonna get educated and get out of there. But every single student that we met with was like, we're gonna go back and help our villages, or we're gonna go help the people that are back there. And if the country that's, the thing that's so crazy about the country that from my perspective was how young it was, there's like no old people, either they're all dead because of war for X many years, or they're on drugs in the villages. But it is like, there's like a prime opportunity to really like bring dignity back to this group of people. And so it's a great, uh, it's a great connection that we have with, with uh, what you guys do. Um, we always thought Scott was a spy, and, uh, <laughs> but he's not. He's kind of, you know, with the thing and bringing the, the food in. So. Yeah, we're... Direct help, right? That's all we want to do. But there's a new hope there. It's really great to be involved with the, the young people that you can, you go there. I mean, you were there. You can feel this new energy and hope for the future. And it's really, it's really special. There's, they take nothing for granted. Yeah. So what ha so I guess for me, it was like, uh, people asked, why did you go to Myanmar? And I was, and our answer from our perspective, what we did is that no one else would to some degree, and in some way, I think they're kind of a forgotten country, you know, people want to go to other areas, and so we have a really opportunity, great opportunity through what we're doing through the Bible school and through the denomination and our connection, partnership, if you will, with, with uh, um, Scott's nonprofit. I think we have a really cool opportunity as a small church to have a huge impact in a nation. What, I mean, who gets the opportunity to do that, right? So S simple things there, simple things, right? Just being there and interacting and, and looking in the eyes of some of these kids, it's just they appreciate that we're there. We're, they're living in a dire situation, and there's hope, right? There's hope for, for them, for sure. And the thing I love about what Scott does is 100% of what you donate goes to the um, kids to the direct help. So it's not like some organizations, it's 50-50, goes to admin or whatever, which is fine, some of that is necessary. But I appreciate that, I think, uh, I see your heart is like really wanting to help, 100% goes to those kids, which is important. And it truly does. Yeah. I bring it there myself and we interact and, yep. I, I don't put anything towards my flight to Myanmar and my vacation on the beach or anything <laughs> 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 like that. <laughs> we a little vacation in though. I, mean, well, I take some time there, but it all goes to, to nutrition, like those sprinkles, um, books for children, we're doing that, and we do mobile libraries as well. So we bring books to the, to the camps, and we have people read them and show it, spread them to the kids, and they have some joy in their life for a day or two just by seeing picture books, right? They love it. Brings, you can see their eyes light up, and it's really great. It's special. So the big thing is $12 feeds a child for a year, so it gives them the nutrients he, needs, he or she needs for a year. And then talk about the books and the thing you're going to do with the kids here. Yeah, well, a book, a children's book costs a dollar to print there, so in their local language. So it's a dollar for a book. Goes a long way. So, <laughs> um, And after this, I'm going back there. Is that correct? And all It's really fun back there. Whoever has kids, oh, back there to the kids. I have a four-year-old daughter, so the energy is good. Uh, 
Uh, but they're drawing some pictures, and I will bring and, and give them to kids in some of these camps where and it'll mean a lot to them and hopefully bring some pictures back for the kids here from, from them. So, yeah. yeah, so we get to, um, on Christmas Eve, the kids are going to take an offering, and everything the kids give is going to go to print books for kids in Myanmar. Also, all the kids are writing, uh, like, drawing pictures and writing notes for the last couple of weeks, and you sh- they're so cute. Like, we love you. You're special, you know. My daughter was like, to Ella, you're special. I'm like, Ella, it's the opposite around, but that's okay. You'll get it. That's right, that's right. There's probably a kid named Ella there that needs to know, to know that. Um, one of the things that I think is so, so, so Christmas Eve, uh, when we give to our Christmas Eve offering, 100% of that's going to go to, um, to kids in Myanmar. And so uh, just be praying about what you can give, and uh, let's risk big and, and see how we can pour out uh, what God's given to us onto kids that really need it. Because we believe that Jesus' heart is turn, t- tuned mostly to children, right? He says, have faith like a child, and ki- kids are so crucial to his heart. So that's really important. One of the things I love to hear from uh, people is like, what happened in you? Or like, how did you end up doing this? Um, I think that that story is, such a, is so important to hear for us as we have visions and dreams for our own lives, and how do we translate that? So maybe share however you want to about that, if you can. Yeah. Um, I lived in short. I lived in Korea for a while, and basically, when I had a break from work, I would put on a backpack and travel all over Asia. So, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, China, every country essentially, and just see poverty everywhere, and people that have nothing, but also people that have no material things that are so giving um, and help. I had a motor motorbike incident in the middle of Vietnam, and a woman that had lived in a shack basically let me sleep in her bed. An old lady let me sleep in her bed. She slept in a hammock and had somebody come fix my bike the next day and sent me on my way. Um, just little instances like that made a difference. And um, we just, my friend and I, we talked about it. We just wanted to help directly. So created this group, raised some money, um, and just wanted to impact the people that have the least effectively. You know, just something simple. And especially interacting with the kids and the people, they see that somebody knows their plight and actually cares, And because the government there doesn't. They're marginalized, shifted to the side, and, and we just, you can see it in their eyes. It's really hard to see the, um, how they're living and in some instances how, um, how difficult it is, but at the same time, they give you hope, and there's laughter and joy in these places like I, I couldn't imagine. So we just wanted to keep directly supporting these people that have joy but have, have no home and no family members have passed away or been killed. And yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, so can we uh, pray for Scott and his nonprofit? And then I'm going to be praying for you and for God to just freak you out in good ways, just so you know. Um, and then we're going to take that offering on Christmas Eve. Does that sound good? So that's the face to it. The, the people on there are the people that we're connecting to. Uh, you've seen, you saw the pictures from last week of the students that we're investing in, and we're going back next year. Lynette's coming back, I think, so um, with us. I'm just recruiting. We're doing it. Let's do it. Um, so let's pray for this. Scott, if you can put your hand out just to bless him, and we'll pray for him quick if that's cool.
Lord, thank you so much for Scott, and just pray that you bless him, and would you just keep him, first of all, safe, and, and keep his, uh, his travel safe, and, and just guide and lead his steps, Lord. I pray that every kid he comes into contact with, Lord, that you just would, you would take care of that kid, and that you would pour out uh, blessing and finances and dollars to help do as much good as possible. So just bless him. Uh, just pray that you just provide all that they need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Scott's going to go hang out with the kids, so can we give him a round of applause? Thanks, buddy. Thank you, thank you. Isn't that cool? We get what, what impact we get to have? Direct impact to the other side of the world. Um, when I became a pastor, I was like, man, my life's going to be so boring. You know, that was like my initial reaction. It's like, gosh, my life is going to be boring. But I'm like, man, I've had we have so much opportunity, not just there, but wherever God leads us to do some incredibly profound things. So that's the God we serve, right? good things. So, um, so Scott's going to go back and share, and you know, I love to hear what happens in life when uh, God, when your life is going one way, and then all of a sudden things shift, and you go a different way, right? Have you had those experiences? Like for me, I was in college, and I was going to be an engineer for some reason, and boring. I mean, if you're an engineer, good God bless you, you know, but for me, no, not good. Um, for me, I was like ADD. I can't, I can't do that. Um, but God, but God got to hold my heart, and he said, hey, you're going to do this thing, and I was like, no, I'm not. But that redirection of my life radically changed, not just what I was going to do for a job, but it fulfilled me, and it's just been this incredible journey where we're sitting across the world, and we're investing in a nation that has been blocked off and not invested in for 50 years, and he's chosen us to do that. So, Praise God for that, right? So I'm going to talk for a couple minutes, and we're going to get you out of here about what happens when God redirects your life, right? So I love hearing Scott's story. He was just on a motorcycle in Korea, and he saw what could be done and how you can care directly and just shifted what happens in your life. And that's what God can do when we follow him. So I'm going to read two quick little stories uh, about Mary and Joseph. So Mary and Joseph are, are this couple. We know them, obviously, as the the father and mother of Jesus. But th this couple is just like this young Jewish couple uh, who had this plan. Okay, we're going to get married. I'm a carpenter. We're going to just live this life. We're going to have kids someday. It's going to be great. Mary's probably 14. Joseph's maybe 18, 17. Young, young, uh, poor, uh, simple Jewish family, right? And God does something that surprises them and takes their life that's going one way and dramatically redirects what their life is doing. So I'm going to read these stories. Are we good? Thank you, Darren. Yeah. So let's read about Mary first. Mary said, the angel said, went and said to Mary, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, excuse me, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Which seems like a good question to ask at that time. Mary asked the angel, Since I, since I am a virgin, a lot of anatomy there. We'll figure it out. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, she who has said that she was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. You should, like, write that somewhere. 
in your life. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary is, is going to sleep, getting ready to get married, and the angel comes, and it is like, my life is going this way, and my life's going the opposite way, right? Then Joseph, this young man who finds out that Mary is pregnant, and there's, it's a little fishy, right? It's a little fishy. What's going on here? Wait a minute. And so he was going to, because he was an honorable man, he was going to just divorce her or just be like, okay, this is over. Moving on, bless you. And, and uh, just like, okay, honorably, you know, not shame her or anything like that. Because at that time, that was very shameful. Okay, but after he considered this, it says in Matthew 1.20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you'll give him the name Jesus and he will save the people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill the word, uh, what the Lord had said through the prophet, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel had commanded him, and took Mary home as a wife. And he did not consummate the marriage until he gave birth to the son, and they named him Jesus. So this young couple, young, poor Jewish couple, carpenter, getting married, going to start this life, and the Holy Spirit comes, and for the first time in 300 and some years, speaks to his people. And then what happens when you encounter God is your life gets redirected. What happens if you have a real relationship with the real God is your life is redirected by him, right? There's no way around it. If you think that you're going to have this vibrant relationship with Jesus or have this experience with the Most High God, but your life is just going to kind of maintain the rut that it's in or the road that it's in, it's just not the way it works. I'm sorry. If anything, it's going to be very dramatic. Like, oh, I'm going this way. No, I'm going this way. And then as you grow and as you develop your faith and as you become more like Christ and you, you fix your eyes for more, more focused on him, then the redirections happen all the time, but they're so subtle and they're so good and they're so helpful. But what happens when you're surprised and you encounter God and he redirects your life? I think a lot of us need a redirection. In my life, so many times I feel like I get stuck. You ever seen the old, time, old days where they had the, the wagon ruts? And you just went on the road and we're in the ruts and that's how life was. And, there, and getting off the rut meant you were in trouble. But the way God works is he wants to redirect and shape your life so that he can do better and more profound things than you could ever do on your own. Like Scott, who is riding a motorcycle and now he's helping to feed people in the other side of the world. Or like me, we're, we're in our, we got everything we, got, we need. We got a house, we got our kids in the right schools, we got our family around us, we have these great friends, and God says you should go on the other side of the country and do it over. We say, sure. God redirects our life. And he redirects your life and my life for the good and for the better. So redirections can be like moving across the country or starting a church or starting a nonprofit. It can be a redirection of your heart. God wants to first redirect your heart. He wants your affections to be turned to him. He wants you to, he wants you to uh, function and think and act the way he does. And he might redirect you that way. He might redirect the, the focus of your home. He might want to redirect the, your attitudes at work. No one needs that. He may redirect the way you speak and love your wife or your husband, the way you shepherd and nurture your children. He might want to redirect your attitudes towards your neighbors. He might want to redirect and change your heart towards the other political party, heaven forbid. God is in the process of redirecting our hearts. And our job as followers of Jesus is not to necessarily 
fight that or just try to get safe and settled in, but it's to be like, all right, God, what are you doing next? What areas of my life and my heart do you want to shift and shape? That can be scary. Anybody? So three things quick. First thing God will do when he redirects your life is he will say this. He will say, do not be afraid. Notice that when Mary encounters the angel, the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. It's okay. Jason, 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 you know, Joseph's brother, Jason. (laughs) Joseph encounters the angel and he said, first thing he says is, do not be afraid. The number one commandment in all the scripture is do not be afraid. I I read this week that they think that there was like 360 do not be afraids, which is like one per day. But they actually think translation wise, there's like a thousand. Do not be afraid. Why would God pound the drum each and every day in our lives of do not be afraid? Because we are fearful people. Because he knows that when we get outside of our comfort zone or when God says, hey, you're, you're acting this way and this is not the best for you and this is not the attitude I want you to have, that's a, f- a scary thing. Or, hey, you're going to move across the country. Or, hey, you're going to do this thing. Or, you're going to take get rid of some of your security. You're going to quit this job and do this thing. He knows the first thing you need to hear is do not be afraid. Before Israel enters into the promised land, the thing that he says is not like, you're going to be the best ever. He says, you don't be afraid. I'll be with you. When God does something in your heart, and he should continually be doing something in your heart, when you look in the mirror and you see the person that God is, is working in and he wants to shape you more and more into the image of Christ, the first thing he'll tell you is like, before I say what I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you this, don't be afraid. Before I shift you, I'm going to tell you, don't be afraid. Because don't be afraid doesn't mean that I just, I don't have any feelings and I'm emotionless and I'm unhuman, right? It means that I am going to be afraid and I'm going to shift my eyes off of the fear and onto the God who's in control of all things. I'm going to shift my eyes off of the fear and onto the God who loves me and has the best for me. Isaiah 41 says, do not be, do, do not fear for I am with you. These are promises. You should write these down someplace on the wall or something. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will upload, uphold you with my righteous right hand. I think God is going to be in the process in our lives in 2019 of redirecting our lives in good ways. And the first thing God's going to say to you is do not be afraid. Number two, the thing you have to believe is this redirection is a better path. It's a better life. When I was going to do XYZ thing, and then I, God called me to pastor and to lead, I was like, that's very scary. I don't know how to do that. But it has been the way better path. It has been the way better life. And when God shifts you in your life, if you change your attitude towards your coworkers, and all of a sudden you have compassion for your coworkers, which is strange, or all of a sudden for your, your spouse, you're not thinking what they can do for me, but you're like, how can I serve them, which is strange. But all of a sudden you're like, man, this is better. This is better. This is more like God's heart. This is more like the Savior's heart for me. And God, God says that to both of them. He says, don't worry, don't worry, Mary. Don't be afraid. Your son is going to be great. He's going to be called the Most High. Don't worry, Joseph. He's going to be the Son of God. He's going to save the world of their sin. He's going to be Emmanuel, which is God with us. This might be crazy. She's pregnant. We don't know how that happened, right? This whole life and plan, your plan that you figured out was going to be perfect is now changed. But just so you know, this is going to be so much better. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that when I submit my heart and my life fully to God and I, and I put my trust in him and I, and I get, get rid of all my preconceived notions or I get rid of my history or my tradition and I just focus on Jesus and I let him shape and direct my life that that life will be better? Do you believe that? Sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is going to suck. But every step of the road when you allow God to work and move in your life, and you allow your, your face to be shaped into his face, in his image. You allow yourself to see the way he sees and hurt the way he hurts and love the way he loves. It's better. It's not just better for you. It'll make your life so much better. You'll go to sleep, you'll be like, oh, life's good. It'll be better for other people because they'll see the love of Christ and they'll see the love of the Father more. It'll be a better path. It'll be more rewarding It'll be more fulfilling. It'll be more challenging. You will not be bored. Being bored is the worst. I'm just saying. Psalm 25 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day I put my hope in you. What God's going to do, I think, in 19, for many of you, if you allow him, is he gonna, he's going to redirect your life and it's going to be scary. He's going to convict you of certain things maybe you've been doing or thinking or acting. He's going to redirect your attitudes or he's going to be like, hey, that person that you've not had love for, I've asked you to love. I've asked you to care. You're, he's going to say, instead of this, your spouse serving you, it's time for you to put on the serving towel and serve them. Instead of being so overly making sure your kids succeed, it's time for us to help them become who Christ asked them to be. God's going to redirect your life. And it's going to be scary as you know what, but it's a better path. Mary and Joseph, it's all going to work out. We're going to be carpenters. It's going to be great. He's like, yeah, but watch this. And the God who loves you and the Father who loves you will speak into, into your heart. He'll whisper, how about this? How about that? And you'll be like, yeah, that's impossible because X, Y, Z thing, and here's my list, and the plan doesn't go around that, Lord. My encouragement to you would be, man, go for it. Become everything that God asks you to be. Embrace it. This is what happened. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. She didn't argue. She was like, yeah, I'm 14. I don't know if I can, uh, you know, parent the Savior of the world. I don't know if I can figure that out there, Lord. Thanks for that, you know? First-time parents, it's scary anyway. Like, well, I hope they don't die tonight. You know, it's like, <laughs> this one's the savior of the world. Don't screw it up. <laughs> but she says, may your word in me be fulfilled. And Joseph says, he woke up and he did what the angel had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. He went to bed ready to divorce her and to move on. And the redirection from God said, man, he did what he said, and he kept Mary as his wife. The, no, the most important thing you do, first step, is you just respond in obedience. You guys want to come up? You respond in obedience. Obedience is kind of a weird thing sometimes. Because I think sometimes we think obedience is like either control, or we think obedience is like, just do what I say, I don't want to hear it from you. You know, do you ever get that? I've never said that to my children. <laughs> just do what I say. Or sometimes I say, why, why am I supposed to do that? Because I'm your dad, just do it, right? 
But when you are faced with a redirection of your life, whatever it may be, whether it's Scott on a motorcycle, kind of living it up, to all of a sudden putting all of his life towards helping people across the world. Or whether it's, it's someone who's lived, who lived, for me, a very mediocre life or I was very safe and comfortable. And I had everything I needed and it didn't take much faith. It didn't take much risk. I didn't need the Holy Spirit to work and through me. I didn't need the power of God to be in my life because it was good. And then God started to whisper, and redirect, and I was like, here we go. And all you do is you take that first step, right? All you do is act in obedience. All you do is say, all right, God, whatever you have, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. You know, if you pray that prayer in your life, God, whatever you have, I'm gonna do it. If you pray that prayer, and if you actually do it, which is scary, it takes a ton of faith. If you do that, God will take your life and will have impact and fulfillment like you can never ever, ever duplicate. No amount of money could ever fill that. No position or role could ever fill that. No amount of stuff or people or hierarchy or status will ever fulfill you the way that prayer will fulfill you. God, whatever you want to do in my heart and my life, whatever you have to do to reshape me or shift me, do it. May your word be done in me. If you pray that, watch out. People are going to be freaked out. Your friends will be like, what are you doing? But you'll look back and you'll see that your life is more joy and more hope and you've had more impact and there's been more kingdom built through your life and there's been more heaven from coming out of your life to other people than you could ever do on your own. So my prayer for you is that we would be like Mary and Joseph, ready and waiting. Here's my path. It's a great path. God might not direct you 180, but he might shift you a couple degrees to the left. It's like when you tune in the dial on a radio, which I think you do still, right? If you have it, remember when you said it before it was digital and you could cheat? When you had to tune in? I think God's going to want to do that in us. So my prayer at Christmas is that we would have really big hearts and ears to hear and to listen to what God would want to do in us. Because I'll tell you what, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is our lives are continuously redirected. We're continually being shaped and shifted and looking in the mirror and seeing how we can be more like Jesus. Not so we can perform or God will love us finally or all of a sudden we'll be just the way God wanted us. Nope, it's so that he can utilize us for the glory of his kingdom. Even if you feel like you have this much faith, God can do that. So I want to pray for you. Are we all right? John, 2 John 1 says this, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commandments. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. His, as we respond in obedience, the love of God will fill us and guide us and lead us, and we will show his love to others. So you might be in a situation today where maybe your work's like, what's going on with this job, Lord? Or you might be here and you're like, how am I supposed to act towards this person? Or you might be like, man, I feel like I should do something bigger and better and different. My prayer for you is if you're having a moment where God is wanting to redirect and reshape, that you would not be afraid. That you would trust that God has put you in a better path and that you would just take a step of obedience. Because what God did for us is when we took one step 
as he took like 5,000 steps. And as we opened doors, there was next steps. And we opened doors, there was next step. And as we took more steps, he was there and he was providing. And it did not stop and it will not stop if that is our heart. So let's pray. We'll sing. And I'll pray this, and this is because I love you, that God would just redirect your life in real ways and maybe dramatic ways. Maybe just shift you a little bit. But you know, if you are going a certain way, 100 miles away, and you shift one degree over, that's a whole different path, isn't it? So Father, would you just work and speak in us right now? God, what are the things in us, God, as we come boldly to you and to your throne that you want to redirect, you want to reshape, that we're on a path, and it's maybe an okay path, but God, you have a better path for us, a better journey for us. God, would you just speak your words that are so full of love and hope? God, would you build our faith to believe the things that you want to say? And that you want to do, God, I just think back to Mary and Joseph 14 and 16. Terrified, poor, lowly, and how you came in and you radically changed their lives so that the whole world for all of history will know their name. God, would you do that in us for your glory? Would you take our next year, our 2019, and would you just start to speak and shape and tune us in to what you would have us be. I praise you, Lord, and thank you for this. God, as we sing this, God, would you start to whisper your words. God, your voice is not in the loud and the yelling and the shouting and the noise of life. It's in the whisper. So God, whisper to your children who you love so deeply so that we could be fulfilled and live the potential you've set in us since before time began. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I mean, would you guys stand and we can sing this? Pray that God would speak as we sing. Jesus, what a Savior, what a brother.